Thank you. So good morning. It's great to be back with you. It's um, well, yesterday it was exactly three months since we uh, launched the venue in Bexhill. I think I can bring you a good report. We're uh, really encouraged there. Actually, we uh, I've got a great venue. We're having great times as we meet together. A real sense, just like you here, of God's presence, God coming and speaking to us. We're seeing visitors coming every week, and uh, it's just an exciting journey. And uh, so I can bring, I say, a good report, but also to say thank you, thank you for your prayers. Uh, I was just talking to someone the other day. I said, "Oh yeah, we're regularly praying for you, and we're so grateful for that. That uh, your prayers, your support, that makes it all." possible so we're doing well uh, down in Bexhill and um, well some of you like like to come and visit for some time you're you're always welcome we always welcome uh, visitors it's great uh, great to have people coming through and just encouraging us so it's my privilege to be back with you today and um, to continue the uh, Matthew series we're going to be um, looking at Matthew chapter 9 and starting at verse 35 today I've called what I wanted to speak about today the gospel imperative. And what I mean by that, I mean the importance, the urgency, the motivation that should come to us around the gospel, the gospel imperative. So let's look at that passage, Matthew 9, and starting in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Going into chapter 10. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the labourer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, And stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, 
Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, for that town. Father God, I just pray now that even as we look at your word, Lord God, as we seek to uh, dig into the truth that is written there, I pray that you will come by your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts to receive. I pray that our hearts will be good soil, ready to receive your word, that it may take root, that it may grow, and it result in change in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. These were amazing times, weren't they? Jesus was preaching and teaching, going through all the cities and the villages. He'd been inviting into the synagogues, their place where they met on a Sunday to preach the word. There were miracles happening. This was a real proclamation of the gospel. Crowds had sort of all heard about him. They were gathering, coming to see what he was doing. And it says he was healing every disease and every affliction. And Paul, when he was talking last week about Jesus' authority, talked to us about the centurion's servant, didn't he? You know, just Jesus reaching out that word and that hand that touched him and she was made well. The man with leprosy, leprosy being healed before their very eyes. Two demon-possessed men from the Gadarene area, it says just in this earlier chapter, were made well and healed. The demons came out of them. Dead girl raised to life. Two blind men, man who could not speak, all made well. This was amazing times. No wonder the crowds were gathering as the kingdom of God was breaking in as Jesus spoke, as he ministered at that time. It was time of growth, time of going out, time of mission with the gospel. But it also needed to be a time of transition. And so Jesus, seeing the size of the crowds, needed to draw others into the work, to go to other places, to go further. And so he caused the disciples to him and encouraged them to pray for laborers who go out into the plentiful harvest that is happening at that time. And then just at the start of the chapter 10, Jesus actually commissions the disciples, in a sense, to be the followers who would take that news out, who would be the answer to the prayers they just prayed, actually, that workers would go out to reap the harvest that was there. And it's interesting, isn't it, in verse 1, that actually Jesus gives them the same authority that he has. You remember last week, Paul talked a lot about Jesus' authority. And here, that authority that was given to Jesus is now passed on to his disciples. This was a real casting on of the baton, a passing on of the baton to them. And he gives it in verse 1. He says, authority over unclean spirits he gives them to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. The very words about disease and affliction that have been applied to Jesus. The same authority given to his disciples. As his disciples were appointed to go out to take the kingdom. And we too, of course, as Jesus' disciples today, the successors in that great line of the church. We have that same commission, that same authority to go and proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, when he commissioned the disciples, he gave them some specific instructions. And it's good just to look at those. Some of those are particularly for their time, but we can also draw lessons for them, from them. 
And so I'm just going to look at those briefly before we go into some more of the application. And so in verse 5 it says, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And I think what Jesus is doing here is reflecting the time in his mission. When Jesus first came, it was first to the people of Israel. That was the priority for him up until around the time of the resurrection. We know, though, that Jesus didn't minister only to the Jews. We've already read about the uh, centurion who was a Gentile, and Jesus went to the Gadarene area. But the priority at this time was actually that Jesus was announcing to the people of Israel that Messiah has come. It was only later, at the end of uh, Matthew in the Great Commission, where Jesus sends his disciples out. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. And that's repeated in, in Acts chapter 1. The risen Jesus tells them they will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's important that as we read the verses like that, we, we don't get caught out and misinterpret, but actually we look at the times that we're now in and how we actually apply this truth. The disciples were told, acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff, for the labourer deserves his food. Their calling was a radical one, to leave their lifestyles, to leave their incomes, to leave their home, and to follow Jesus. It shows the priority of the gospel that they were to give. And I think when I, I look at ourselves, what's the application for us? I think it's that we're not driven by wealth, by the acquisition of possessions, maybe security, comfort. No, for us too, the priority needs to be the gospel in our lives. First and foremost, our calling is to be witnesses. And as we're witnesses, it tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The assurance that when we put God first, then he provides all we need. Not many of us are called to be those wandering evangelists, but even in the areas where we are called, our jobs, our home, the school gate, wherever you spend your time, our first and foremost priority is to be witnesses to Jesus, to bring the kingdom of God into those places where God has put us. Although it may be a company or a salary that actually writes the cheque for your pay, actually the source of our supply is always from God. And the jobs and situations that God places us in are the places where we have the opportunity to bring in the kingdom of God. Jesus also said to them, find out who's worthy in the town and stay there until you depart. We'll be using that word worthy a lot. And, but here I think as I've looked at various commentaries around this verse, what it tells us is that worthy doesn't necessarily imply a judgment on character, but probably just means someone who has the room and the willingness to accommodate them. But it would also be someone who is open to their message. And so those were the people that they were to seek out and where they were to go and stay. But it's interesting, isn't it, in chapter 10 and verse 14, that it says even for some of these, these worthy ones that they'd gone to stay with, they would not receive them or listen to their words. And as a consequence, they would have to face judgment. 
clearly shows us that not everyone will receive the gospel message. In spite of the harvest being plentiful, it's not universal. And sometimes, just like the disciples here, there comes a time when we have to move on from relationships that are not being fruitful. The urgency of the gospel requires that. We need to be looking for those whose hearts God has prepared, ready to respond to the message. Pray for the discernment that God will lead you to those people for whom the harvest is ripe. So now I just want to pause and just look at a couple of gospel stories. When the kingdom of God comes, everything changes. And Lee and Janair are just going to give us a short testimony of how it's actually changed their lives as the gospel has come and impacted them. childhood was, I like using the word colourful, it was great as my mum that was from around here and my dad's not from around here so he's from, he's from Turkey, my mum is a Christian and my dad would say that he's Muslim so I think I was quite confused growing up, randomly, I went to this thing called Kids Club, I think that was when I started to see what Christianity was about, I'd say I didn't really become a Christian myself and, and more importantly didn't really meet Jesus until I was a teenager. I can't remember how long I was, but I just remember I was in the youth group and um, I was reading this book and the last chapter in it spoke all about how you could be a Christian, you could be a worship leader, you could be, you know, the leader of a church and actually when it comes down to it, not really knowing who Jesus is, that kind of was a light bulb moment for me. A few years ago I had to have major heart surgery to replace um, a heart valve. I kind of look back and I see that time as... God's kind of asking, do you trust me? The amazing thing about now Jesus is that I don't have to put up a face because he loves and accepts me. Great to hear those stories, isn't it, of how the gospel changes lives. For Lee, it's no longer all about me. Actually, I'm putting God on the throne of my life. 
And for Jen and Anne, knowing Jesus through every situation. That's what the gospel is. God breaking in to people's lives. When the kingdom of God comes, there's a transfer of allegiance. No longer do we live to please ourselves. No longer, like Lee said, is it me on the throne of my life. No, actually we live to please the king of kings. That new start, being born again, putting behind us all those things that we regret that we've lived with. Actually, the Bible talks about our consciences being cleansed as God remembers no more all that wrong stuff. Strengthened by the Holy Spirit to change. Strengthened by him to be different people with an eternal destiny, an eternal, eternal perspective on our lives. Friends of God. That's what the gospel does. That's what the gospel does. That's what it did in Lee's life when he actually put his trust in Jesus. That's what it meant to Janaire when he actually said, I'm opening up my heart to Jesus. That's what happens when the kingdom comes. And I think for us, for whom we have that revelation of the gospel, it creates an imperative. It's not necessarily an easy or a perfect life that we're being called to in Christianity. But it's a life where God is with us in every situation. I often think, you know, as, as Christians, wouldn't it be easier if that moment we put our trust in Jesus, we just went straight to heaven, you know, away from this kind of messy world and uh, all of the kind of hurt and the pain here. But that verse we saw earlier, Acts 1, says, you will be my witnesses through our testimony, through walking sometimes through those difficult situations, through the evidence of our lives in the workplace with our neighbours at the school pipe. That's actually our witness. That's where we show Jesus to those people around us. And it helps me to understand why sometimes as Christians we do have to walk through struggles because as we handle those in a different way, so we witness to the power of God and the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, as we've been singing in our worship in every situation. So we do need to pray for God to send out workers. When we really understand what it means to live without Jesus, when we remind ourselves, it causes us to pray. I've been a Christian for actually over 50 years now, I can hardly remember before that. I can't remember before that time, you know, but actually it's good for me just to think sometimes now, where would I be if God has not broken into my life? What would I be doing now? And I sort of look at, I think about maybe my parents, maybe I'd have been like them. But actually God broke in. He gave me that eternal perspective, that security that with him, that knowledge that my sins are forgiven and dealt with. We need to pray for people who will go out to be the gospel to their friends and their neighbours and their workmates. Always prepared to give a defence for anyone who re asks a reason for the hope they have. There'll be some who sow. There'll be others of us who, who reap. Different giftings, different roles. But all involved in that harvest. It needs to be a priority to us as it was to the disciples. And we need to become the answer to our prayers to send out workers as we go out to our friends and neighbours.
says that Jesus was motivated by compassion. He had compassion when he saw the crowds. And he saw them harassed and helpless. Seems like a pretty good description of our society, I think, at the moment. I don't know if my driving's getting worse, but I seem to be experiencing an awful lot more road rage these days. And uh, probably it's getting a bit worse, I expect. But symptomatic to me of a people who are hopeless and harassed. Everybody's striving. I don't know how to get through this life. I don't know how to make it work. So we get so much anger in our society at the day. It's like sheep without a shepherd, Jesus described them. Sheep without a shepherd are bound to run into trouble. Either run out of grass, get caught up in the brambles, attacked by predators. You know the story, don't you? If, you, if you've got a, fleece, a sheep with a full fleece that gets wet and it falls over on its back, it can't even right itself. It can't even stand up. Pretty hopeless. In a sense, that's how we are. Without Jesus facing an eternal destiny, we need a saviour. Often in my role now, I get to go to quite a few funerals. And it's very hard when you're at the funeral of someone who doesn't know Jesus to offer a great deal of hope. There is a reality to the eternal separation from God. Jesus gave his authority to the disciples, authority for signs and wonders. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. Signs and wonders need to be an an integral part of the kingdom of God breaking in. There's a challenge there for us too, isn't there? We have the authority of Jesus. Are we operating in it? Are we using it? Are we quick to pray? Are we quick to reach out? You know, perhaps as well as I do, how a word of knowledge, an act of healing, can really open up people's lives to, uh, to the gospel. Evidence for the coming of the kingdom of God causes people to stop and say, surely God is, ha- is at work here. And then we have the opportunity for the gospel. So be quick to pray. Ask God to help you where you have a lack of faith. Sometimes we wonder, don't we? But actually, we need to step out in the faith that God can give us. That verse that uh, Sarah shared, even during the worship, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And this passage tells us that the harvest is plentiful. Do we believe that? Do we see that? Let's pray for eyes of faith to see what God is doing in our times. We walk by faith, don't we? Not by sight. And the faith declaration is that God says the harvest is plentiful. We will believe and we will walk out into it. Not on the basis of our experience, but on the basis of his word. Walking by faith in the unseen things. The gospel will always be a challenge to people. Sometimes people's reaction will be negative and we need to be sensitive to the spirit, looking where God is working. The situations that he is going, opening up. It's interesting to me that this verse around the harvest is plentiful. Angela Kem, when she was here, brought that verse from John four thirty-five, which is very similar. The fields are white for, har- white for harvest. 
encouraging us to see that God has gone before. It may be others who've prepared, but now is the time to be looking to move into the harvest. We know, don't we, that there are times when God moves in, time, in revival. I uh, was looking up some statistics, you know. I lived in India for a few years, and Nagaland, one of the northeast states of India, has a population of around 3 million people. And the statistics are amazing. I think in 1911, 2% of Nagaland was Christian. I think after that, there were some sort of people from the Welsh Revival went out to that northeast part of England. And by 1951, 46% of the people in that state had become Christian. And then by 1991, 87% Christian, that's amazing, isn't it? From 2% in 1911 to 87% in 1991. That's what happens when God moves in revival. God, could you do that in our town? Could you do that in 1066 country, in Hastings, in Bexhill and Rye? The harvest is plentiful. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray for God to move Powerfully drawing people to himself through the work of the Holy Spirit. So what's our response? I don't think we need to wait. We can be grateful for the first fruits that we see as a church. We can be grateful for the people we see coming amongst us, coming to faith in the gospel. And it's something we, as an eldership, are really praying for week by week by week. And we're encouraged to see... A few more people coming through to faith. But we want to pray for more. We want to pray that the gospel starts to impact with power in our town, in our area. Even our whole venue strategy, we're in Bexhill now. Why are we in Bexhill? To actually make the gospel more accessible to the people in Bexhill. Why do we want to go to central St. Leonard's? Because we think that will be more effective for taking the gospel to central St. Leonard's and as a church over the next year our prayer our diary our whole calendar is going to be organized around helping us to be better equipped to be those who take the gospel to the areas and where we are to the situations in which we spend our time and just one little specific item I want to draw your attention to is an initiative called The Turning, which is coming to East Sussex at the end of May, beginning of June. Um, this is a, it's a missions um, approach, if you like, that's actually shown an awful lot of success in a number of places around the UK. They're now coming to East Sussex and um, some of the churches are, are particularly putting that on in Hastings and in Bexhill. And we are invited to get involved. And uh, basically the key will be um, six days of on the streets, um, face-to-face, personal evangelism from the 4th to the 9th of June. There are opportunities to get involved, either be on the streets, by praying, by administrating, by um, following up the contacts that are made. As you go out today, you'll find you'll get a leaflet given to you which tells you a little bit about it. And um, it's just one particular way that you might like to respond to uh, something of what we said today about the uh, importance of the gospel and the urgency and it's an opportunity for training just to get out there and you might want to think maybe I could just do one day two day maybe I'm passionate I'd really like to do the whole week there's the opportunity
And so the harvest is personal. Just in conclusion, really, my first point is just to make it personal. Before we go out and think about the people out there, we need to look at our own hearts. Maybe even for you, you're hearing things today in a way you haven't heard them before. The gospel means I can be forgiven of my sins. That Jesus wants to be king of your life. The possibility of being born again. Maybe for some of you, that is actually the day to respond. To tell Jesus you're sorry for going your own way. For all the things you've done that have offended him. To ask for forgiveness and for a new start with Jesus as the king of your life. You can make that response today. For others of us, we maybe made that response some time ago. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. Ask for eyes of faith that see the harvest that God is preparing. Lord, I want to see better where you're moving. Pray that workers will be sent out. Pray for more people who proclaim the gospel and declare that the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said that his disciples were to go on mission. We need to be on mission in whatever area God has placed us, in the jobs we do, the places we spend our time, in whatever way that God has gifted you. God has prepared people's hearts ready to respond. Look for the man or women of peace in your workplace, in your situations. Where's that openness to the gospel? And use it as an opportunity to press in. Jesus has given us his authority. We need to use the authority we have. We need to be quick to pray for signs and wonders, for healing, to listen for those words of knowledge that demonstrate the kingdom of God is at hand. My time is done. I'm going to be off to Bex Hill, but uh, the guys will help us to respond. But maybe I'll just pray for you. Maybe the band would uh, like to come up, and then I'll hand over to Paul. Lord, Father God, we thank you for your gospel. Thank you, Lord, that for so many of us, Lord God, you have changed our lives completely. Thank you for stories like Lee and Janair on the video, Lord God, where you broke in. Lord God, where you have become Lord of their lives. And Father, I pray, even as we consider the gospel afresh today, Lord God, Lord, the imperative will come to each of us anew, Lord God. Lord God, that you have been so good to us. And out of your goodness to us, Lord God, we share that with those we come in contact with. Lord, you say, the harvest is plentiful. Give us eyes of faith, Lord God. Lord, that see that and that respond and move out into it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Paul and uh, good to be with you. Thanks a lot, Steve. So Steve takes his private jet back to um, Bex Hill. 
and uh, land safely and that kind of stuff. Um, it's great to have Steve, Steve with us and, and, and challenge us, really. In terms of the gospel, Jesus said, freely you've received, so freely give. And um, I just think a really great response for the next couple of minutes um, would, would be to sit with a person next to you. It might be someone in your family and that kind of thing. I would love for you guys just to pray with each other. And, um, and think, think about those people that are in your sphere of influence. What I mean by that is kind of like people at work, people in your family, that kind of stuff. There are people around us that don't yet know the stuff that we've just been talking about. Sometimes you can, you can, become, you can get used to the message, what we've heard this morning. You, become, you can become over-familiar with the power of the gospel to someone that has never really heard it before and still has not grasped the truth of it. And so it's good to pray for them. And it's good to pray for us that after this kind of message, we will, it, it will be refreshed in us. We would see the importance of some of the words that we have just heard and grab hold of them again. Does that make sense? So I just encourage you, just for the next minute or so, okay, just before we end, please turn to the person next to you, behind you, around you. Ask if there's anyone in their family or a mate that you think, Do you know what, I would love for us to pray for that person. So name them by name. So... I think it's all right to say he's not here anyway. So for me, it, I'm, I'm thinking of my 95-year-old granddad, who I'm still praying for, that he will come to a, a knowledge of who Jesus is, you know? And some of that, that that's his choice, but it's, it's, it's God revealing who Christ is to him as well. So I constantly keep praying for him. So think of someone in your family, your work colleagues. Janae's just going to play something in the background, okay? Turn to the person next to you, pray for some people, but also pray for each other that. The gospel will become and remain fresh in who we are as well. Go for it.